Good morning. It is so great to have you guys here today with us because I believe you are the ones that are here to hear this specific message today. Uh, we have been in a, a series in the book of 1 Corinthians, and this has gone on for quite a while. Some of you have been like, how many ADD types are like, I can't believe we're still talking about this book. Um, you know what's kind of crazy is that I have read this particular book of the Bible probably 150, 200 times in my life. I have taken an undergrad level cor- Bible college course on it. I've taken a master's level uh, seminary course on it. And still, every time I get and dig into this book, I am challenged. Um, and I think that's because, well, what Paul says, the Bible is a living thing, right? It's a living, breathing thing that is alive today and speaking to us today. It's God's words for us, and it's sharp, and it's active, and it's coming after us. So today, I believe that God's scripture, God's word in uh, 1 Corinthians is going to come to you and to me. So go ahead and open up uh, your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we're going to be tackling, I'm going to be tackling my, this sermon and the, not next week, but the week after, because I'll be in Boise next week on the mission trip. Uh, the week after, I will be speaking on another. Both of these two are what some would consider controversial topics in the church. So I hope that you will brace yourselves a little bit. Um, it shouldn't be, this one shouldn't be too controversial for us. It's going to be okay. Um, we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 through 11. Uh, and while you're going there, I, I want to tell you something about me. Um, most of my life, I have made serious efforts to not be weird. <laughs> and those of you who have been around me very long know how unsuccessful that has been. <laughs> yeah, you were going to, yeah. Yeah, I, I could have walked into something there, but let's just be honest. I'm kind of a weird guy. I really am. I make jokes that make no sense to anybody but me. Um, I, I sometimes make them at the wrong time and in the wrong moment. I'm just weird. I, I remember as a kid, like, the coolest thing I could think to do would be to pull my arm. I wish I could do it. I couldn't do it with this shirt. Pull my arms and, and, like, make little crazy arms and wear paper hats and dance around the bowling alley, okay? That's how weird I am. I'm just that kind of weird, and I can't help it. And I know it's embarrassing to my family, and I apologize, and I'm so sorry, but I'm kind of weird. And the thing is, I have spent like I said, most of my life trying not to be that, right? Trying not to be weird. Because you know why? Honestly, I want you all to think that I'm pretty cool. I really do. I want to be liked. It is, it is in many of us, this desire to be liked and loved and to be accepted and to be thought of as cool, right? We want to please people and be thought of as cool. And yet, time and again, I'm like, I'm not cool. I, I, I can wear a cool shirt, right? I can wear skinniest jeans. I can wear cool boots. My daughter will dress me, and I will look awesome until I open my mouth, and out comes something weird. Happens. How many of you are in my boat? Is anybody else in my boat? You guys are my favorite. Oh, come on. Put your hand all the way up. Let's not be embarrassed. Weird people unite, okay? All over. That's right. I like, have you ever seen, th- this is totally off the subject, Introverts Unite, have you seen that one? I love that. Introverts Unite, alone, in your own homes. Yeah, anyway, see, weird, weird. Now, I reason I, this is totally not in my notes. I told people this morning, I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna preach this morning. It's gonna be all over the place. The reason I wanted to say that to you is because having spent most of my life trying not to be weird, I have struggled with today's subject. Because we are gonna talk about 
the teaching from Paul on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when we read this text, there's going to be words like speaking in tongues and prophecy and healing and miracles. All of these things that are, let's just be honest, weird. They are supernatural, but they are weird. They do not happen, right? They do not happen on the university campus all by themselves. It's not like the campus has a culture where professors are speaking in tongues in class. Weird, right? That would be weird. Doug keeps going, not yet. You, 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 stop encouraging me. I'm not there yet, Doug. Just wait. I want to talk about how the culture views this stuff. I mean, it is weird. It is weird. Okay? Even people who engage with this stuff, okay, people who speak in tongues, people who pray for people and see healings and signs and wonders, admit with me right now, it is weird. Can we all just say that? It is weird. And you know what? We're so busy trying not to be weird that we can miss out on something that God has for us. And so this morning, I want to approach this text with some humility. I want to approach this text with an open heart and an open mind. I want to approach this text with a willingness to hear from the Lord and to receive from Him whatever it is that He has for us, even if it's weird. Can you go there with me? Do you think some of you are like, I'm squirming already, Pastor? I don't know. We're going to go there, and we're going to read this text. So let's open, you got 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here we go. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. Okay, that's like a weird statement. Nobody says that, right? But we all have heard people say, Jesus Christ, right? So let's just replace Jesus is cursed with that. Nobody who is speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus Christ. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except for by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts. Well, I misspoke, and this is important. I want you to catch this. You might even want to underline the word varieties. Now, there are, a, are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for, say it with me, the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, all of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I want to jump down to the very end of that chapter, verse 27. I want to continue reading in uh, just this end here. It says this, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. 
Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. How many of you remember what the most excellent way is? It's to love your neighbor as yourself right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It isn't rude. not self-seeking. We looked into this, took this test like the test of maturity is not how many gifts you have, but how well you love the people right around you. How well you are able to love your own self and out of that love the world around you. That is the most excellent way, but it's important to know, Paul says, that God has given us gifts. He has given us varieties of gifts, now, reading the book of 1 Corinthians is a little bit like, I don't know, joining the game show Jeopardy. Do you notice that? It's like we're reading along and we're reading half of a conversation. Like this is what Audrey said last week. We're reading half, the, we're, like, we're listening in on a cell phone call at Starbucks and we only hear half of it. We hear all the answers. And so it's a little bit like the game show Jeopardy because you're like, well, Alex, I'll take uh, spiritual, spiritual gifts for 400. He's like, yes. The answer is... And then he reads all of 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts. And okay, then we're all supposed to be ready on our buzzers and fill in the question. We all imagine what the question is, right? There's a lot of questions involved in this. What in the world is going on in my church? Might be question number one. What in the Samuel is happening? Why are people who have never spoken Russian before speaking Russian to Russians? And the Russians understand. Why is that happening? And, and, okay, that's pretty cool. But what about that really weird dude who is speaking a language nobody knows? Is that even real? Is that a thing? What, what, what's the best gift? You know, that's an important one. Which gift do I really want? Because there's a lot of gifts and I want the best gift, right? Who doesn't want the best gift at Christmas? You go to the Christmas tree, there's all the boxes under there, the littlest kids look, and they want the biggest box first, right? We want the big ones first. Get them, give me those gifts. And which one is the best? I don't know. And then they're asking things like, is, is Ralph better than Betty? Because Betty doesn't speak in tongues. I hope there's no Bettys in here today. Any Bettys? Because I can change the name. Ralph? I didn't think so. I chose two names that I don't think anybody has anymore. They, they decommissioned those names. So, Betty, is she not as good, you know, spiritual, say, as Ralph? Because Ralph is able to speak in Russian to people in Russia, and he never learned Russian before. He must be pretty special to God if God gave him that gift. And, you know, is Betty even a Christian? Does the spirit even live in her if she doesn't speak tongues? She seems like such a nice person, and she loves Jesus, and she seems so wise. She's always caring for the sick and the poor. Let's, let's just be honest about the things about spiritual gifts. Not only are they weird, they're confusing, right? Because we live in a world that doesn't know how to handle power, right? What do we say about absolute power? It corrupts absolutely, right? And we've seen it over and over again. You know, dictatorships and different things like that. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And what we're talking about here, especially when we move away from tongues, is power. Real power. Power to know the right answer at the right time. 
I don't know what career path I should choose. And we're praying and we're seeking God and we're earnestly like, God, what do you want for my life? And somebody comes to me and says, hey, I was praying for you today and the Holy Spirit just dropped this word in my heart. And you're like, which word is it? Is it like a great job? Is it like go forward? And, they're like, and they just say this thing to you that makes sense to nobody else but you and it gives you wisdom and you know what the next step is and you step into that thing and you find the Spirit filling every opportunity you walk in. That's power. The power to walk up to somebody who is sick and dying and to have the faith, because it takes a whole lot of faith to do this, to lay your hand on them and to pray, Jesus, you are the healer of all of our wounds. You are our restorer. You are our creator. And God, we ask right now that you would heal this body in your most precious and holy name. And to see that person who couldn't walk before stand up and walk, to see that person who was suffering from cancer suddenly cancer-free, it's unbelievable. It's power. And we don't know how to handle power. We don't know how to deal with a world in which that doesn't exist. We don't know how to deal with a world in which it does. I mean, we, we, we can get along fine. We can do things ourselves. We can go to the doctor. But to have power like this at our hands, it gets confusing and, and so you must be more spiritual if you have these things. You must be better than me if you do these things. And Paul is very clear in this text that there is no hierarchy of gifts. There is no specialty that has been given to one person that makes them more spiritual than the next person because God gives each of his beloved children, who is you, the gifts, the varieties of gifts. And they may not make sense to us, and they may be difficult, and they may be awkward at times and weird. But God says this over and over again throughout the Scriptures. My ways are not like yours. My thoughts are not like yours. Paul has spent an entire book of the Bible trying to untangle what we think is the way things should go and to show us the way God does things. And he is being very clear here. We think that power, especially spiritual power, makes us better than other people, but it does not. We think that spiritual power makes us more mature than somebody else, but it does not. It makes you a beloved child of God because God pours out his spirit from the book of Isaiah, I believe. I hope that's right. God pours out his spirit in the last days on all flesh, on his sons and his daughters and his children. You and me, each one, have access to everything that is in here. One of the questions that I get as a pastor of this church is, is this a Pentecostal church? In fact, I literally got an email last week from some random person who's searching the internet looking for a church, which people do nowadays, and I get an email, and, it, and it's, it's all it said. It was like this, you know, it's like text. You know, text, it could be, it mean anything. You could read anything into it. It's just a, is this a Pentecostal church? And I'm like, I'm not sure how to answer that exactly. I mean, what are you looking for? I mean, what, what is it you want? I don't know. And so I was like, yes? Question mark? And I didn't hear anything back, you know? <laughs> what does it mean to be a Pentecostal? What does that word even mean in our culture, in our day, in the church? So to be very upfront, we are part of the Foursquare denomination, right? It says right on the marquee outside, Pullman, Foursquare Church. Most people look at that and they think, oh, are you guys the social media app? That, it's kind of lame. I don't know if I even like that. So, I mean, Facebook, Instagram, FaceSpace. I don't know what the name of the new one that just came out recently that all the kids are using these days. 
what was it? Twit face. I don't know that one either. Um, <laughs> but you know, we got all these, but Foursquare, that's kind of a lame one. So, eh, whatever. What Foursquare is, is a denomination that believes four things primarily about Jesus. We believe lots of things about Jesus, but there's four like central truths. We believe that Jesus is our healer, the healer of all of our wounds and our diseases, our sickness, especially our sin. He is our savior, that he died for us on the cross and, and rescued us from our own brokenness so that we could live with him and live with God, not just here and now, but there and then in eternity. We believe that he is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And that means that he is the one that pours upon us the very presence of God. Like we talked about before, the Old Testament, God came in a fire and a pillar, and anybody that saw him died. He was, he was so holy, nobody could touch him. Only very, very few people encountered his presence on mountaintops, and everybody else had to stay back. And God showed us his holiness and his mercy, but he also showed us his justice and his goodness and his power. And then Jesus comes along, the next picture of who God is. And if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the fullness of God. And what do we see? We see somebody who wants to know people. And not just the cool people, not just the cool cats, but all the people that have been left aside on the margins, the broken, the sick, the hurt, the Samaritans, the women, especially the women. And I say that not like Jesus was a womanizer, but he was willing to talk to women. And in that day, you didn't do that. And he showed them the love of God, and he poured out God's power in healing by laying his hands on people or spitting in mud and putting it on a blind man's eyes so he could see. It's crazy stuff. And Jesus says, you know what? I got to go, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Wait in Jerusalem, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And God is going to pour out his Spirit, not on you, but in you, like a cup. You can be filled with the very same presence that stood on a mountaintop and caused the earth to shake. You could be filled with the same presence that is a fire that consumes and a fire that doesn't consume a bush. You know, it's both. You can be the very presence of loving Jesus, the loving presence of Jesus to the world because God's presence is gonna be in you. So that's the third thing. We, so healer, savior, baptizing, the Holy Spirit, and then soon in coming king. We believe he's coming back. That's what Foursquare is. And we see we're Pentecostal. We point back to Acts chapter two and three where the Holy Spirit comes for the first time. That promise is fulfilled. God's presence is poured upon his people. And what happens? They start speaking in tongues which means actually in that context, they were speaking in Russian, they were speaking in Greek, they were speaking in dead languages and things that they had never heard. These dumb fishermen who only spoke uh, Jewish Greek were speaking all of these other languages from people around the world and they were praising God and speaking the gospel in their language. Tongues of fire, power to preach, power to heal came. People were being uh, given the ability to walk. People fell out of windows and people prayed for them and they stood up and lived. All kinds of crazy stuff. All the weird things of the Bible were happening because of that moment. What it means to be Pentecostal today is that we believe that stuff still happens. We believe that God gives us the power and the grace to do everything he calls us to do. Bottom line. Everything that God has called you to do, whether it's to love your neighbor as yourself. Difficult to do when your next door neighbor is a knucklehead, right? Difficult to do when your next door neighbor is a raging conservative or a raging Democrat. Difficult to do when they completely disagree with you or they're rude and they're throwing their cans in your yard. 
The Holy Spirit is giving you power to love that person as yourself. When somebody is hurt or broken, the Holy Spirit calls you to heal them in His name. He is giving you power to do it. Everything that God calls you to do, He is giving you grace and power to accomplish it. And that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that is what it means to be Pentecostal in today's day and age. And I don't know if you believe this or not, but this is what we believe. God has called me to lead this church. And I stumble, and I fall, and I fail, and I mess up, and sometimes I do it right, and sometimes it's great, and sometimes you're like, good sermon, Pastor J.B., and other times you're like, what in the world are you even talking about? In all of these things, the Holy Spirit is gifting me, filling me, and giving me the power and the grace to do everything he calls me to do. When you go to your workplace tomorrow, and God is in that place doing his work, and he's like, hey, why don't you get to know this person? Because I got something for them, and they don't know me. And you're like, oh, I'm shy. I want to you know, introvert at home alone with my house and nobody else. And God's, I'm just so timid and scared. And Jesus is like, oh, you can do this. He's giving you the grace and the power to do it. You don't have to do it on your own. He is giving you the grace and the power to walk in everything that he has called you to do. That's what it means to be Pentecostal. It's not scary. It's actually quite awesome. It's not weird when you find out that that's all it is. Some of the ways that those things pan out may look weird, but it's not. It's absolutely natural and normal for a God who loves his children. You know, the, the parable that Jesus spoke, he says, which of you fathers, if your child asks for some bread, would give them a snake? How much more does the Father in heaven love you than you as a father love your child? God is not going to give you a snake. I don't know about the snake handling thing, but that's not a, I, don't, I don't think that's what we're talking about here, right? God's not going to give you a snake. He's giving you good things. He is empowering you to do everything that he has called you to do. And that's what it means to be Pentecostal. Now, the reasons I think that these things can be confusing, though, is because our culture is really tied up, right? Our culture is so tied up with our thinking about gifts and things like that, especially gifts. How many of you, your family has just a crazy gifts culture? You would say that. Come on, raise your hand. So how many of you, uh, <laughs> there's, there's parents and children in the room. Okay, children, how many of you would say that your parents have a crazy gift culture? Don't raise your hands. Our, our understanding of gifts is all mixed up. Sometimes we're given gifts because we want to receive something, right? We give a gift to get a gift. We give a gift to get love. We get a gift to show love. I love you so much, I want you to have all the things. And we're not actually thinking about how we're loving them. We're just spoiling them, right? Because I didn't have these things. Sometimes we give gifts uh, that have certain meanings and certain connections to them. There are all these ideas around gifts. They mean something different to each one of us. For some of us, gift is our love language, right? How many of you, gifts is your love language? It's like three, four, but I'm raising my hand. Everybody take note, write this down. Pastor Jamie is declaring that his love language is gifts, Doug. <laughs> I'm looking for you next week, man. I love gifts. And it does. It makes me feel like I love you. It's like, oh, God, so nice of you. When we're talking about gifts in the Bible, we come to that with all sorts of stuff. Some of us, for gifts, it's like, you know, we, we just look back at Santa Claus, and it's things we have to earn. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Because you're not going to get a gift if you do any of those things, right? 
gifts. They're difficult for us to, to deal with. Sometimes they're a lever. We, hey, if you lose a whole bunch of weight, I'll give you a gift. Hey, if you take me to this thing, I'll give you a gift. Hey, if you treat me well, I'll give you a gift. It's a lever to, to control us. So gifts are confusing. When we talk about spiritual gifts, that's why it's so easy to mix this up. God must love Sarah so much better than she loves me because Sarah's got all the gifts and I don't have the gifts and she's gifted and I'm not gifted and where's my gifts? Secondly, I think it's really confusing because honestly, many of us have been hurt by them. We've come across preachers and pastors and teachers who teach on these things and they, they, they wound us with their gifts, right? Laying heavy hands of prayer on us and then well, you haven't received the gift, so what sin is in your life? When I was diagnosed with cancer, I literally had a man who, who like regularly had the gift of prophecy. Like He would say things that were just like out of this world, like that is something Jesus is saying to the church. He came to my bedroom when I was diagnosed with cancer. I was laying in bed after having you know, all the surgery, and I was like sick. I'd been throwing up. I just felt terrible, and I'm laying in bed, and him and the elders come to pray for me, and he looks at me, and he says, Son, what sin is in your life that has caused all of this? And I'm like, I don't know. When I was in the fourth grade, I threw up and I hit, you know, I don't know, just kind of like making things up, looking for, there's got to be something. And they're just laying things on us. People use their gifts in an immature way and they hurt us. And that's the truth. Is that just because you're gifted doesn't mean you're mature. Right? Just because God has given you a gift doesn't make you a mature person. People use gifts in, mature, in immature ways all the time, and they hurt us, and they scare us, and we close ourselves off from them. So we're confused about gifts. We close ourselves off because people are using them in immature ways, and they scare us. And lastly, it's just they're flat uncomfortable. I don't want to speak in tongues. You know what? I don't even want to raise my hands in church. I don't, just, I'm like, I can get it here, but it's got to, you know, and we're like, and then the people leading worship are like, come on, everybody, lift up your hands. You know, and you're just like, I'm lifting them up here in my pocket. This is up from my knees, you know. It's like, <laughs> that's uncomfortable. Now, it's uncomfortable to raise my hands or even to sing out in worship or, you know, maybe I sway a little bit. I get into the music. That's really uncomfortable. And now you want me to pray for somebody to be healed? What if it doesn't happen? What, what if I want to speak in tongues and I open my mouth and nothing comes out? Awkward, uncomfortable to pray for people and not see anything happen, to ask for a word from the Lord and not have one. That's just uncomfortable. I want to tackle those things just real fast. Actually, what I wrote in here is, can I tackle these problems really quickly? And then I wrote, I don't know. Can you? I doubt it. See, I told you I'm weird. I mean, it's, you can read my notes. It's in here. I don't know. Can you? I doubt it. So let's start with the word gifts. Verse 1 specifically says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. The word gifts in that context right there doesn't actually appear there. It's not in the Greek. We've added it there to help us understand what's going on. The actual words, if you were to literally translate this into English, just say this. Now i got to find it. Now concerning the spirituals. You could be talking about people who are spiritual. You guys know the spiritual people, right? They moan a little bit. Like, ooh, they float. You seen those people? They seem to float. That's not what he's talking about because he goes on to explain what he's talking about. He is talking about 
the filling of the Spirit on us and what happens when it comes out. The spiritual things that take place in the church. It's a large category word, right? Big category word. It's like the word human, right? Uh, now, I know it's not PC to say human anymore because it's got man at the end of it, and that's confusing to me, and I don't even know what to say. So people, it's a big category word, and it encompasses first men and women, or women and men, whichever one you like better. It encompasses black people, white people, Asian people, Hispanic people, mixes of those things, other categories of people, and within those you have like Democrats and Republicans, you have, you have uh, people that are from Venezuela and people that are from Texas, and you know, we all these divisions within the word peoples, right? Humans. It could be anything. And Paul uses this word just like that. It's a big category word, spirituals. And then he goes on, verses 9 through 11, to explain spirituals. So when we're talking about the things that God puts on us, we're not just talking about gifts. It's a part of it, but it's not the whole thing. And we can step back and say, okay, God wants to give me some spirituals. Who wants some spirituals? It doesn't sound as attractive, does it? But it's what God does. He gives us spirituals. And those come in three different big categories. We have gifts in verse 4. We have service or roles in verse 5. And then in verse 6, we have activities. Gifts here means it's a skill, a talent, an aptitude. Paul applies to things like speaking in tongues, healing, prophecy, wisdom, and such, and it goes on. In other places, he talks about administration. Somebody is physically gifted by the Holy Spirit to administrate, and that person is not me. I'm terrible at it. I try hard, I'm learning, I'm growing, but the Holy Spirit has not gifted me this way. I keep waiting. Jesus, keep pouring the gift of administration on me. And then he's, just, he's like, no, this is your weakness, and in your weakness you will find that I'm enough. You know, if you guys have a passage from Paul, I've asked God to take it away, but he doesn't do it, and he says, my strength is enough for you, my grace is enough for you. That's me in administration. But somebody here has been given the gift of administration. There are other places in Romans and Ephesians. He adds to that list. It's not a definitive list. These are just some of the things, some of the spirituals that God puts into his people, and he has put them in you. The menu, he says, is it's a varieties. Varieties is like a variety of varieties. You get that? It's like, it's like you, go, you go to the, the food court at the mall, right? And you look around and you go, I could have Chinese food. I could have Greek food. I could have hamburger. I could have another kind of Chinese food, I, and, and you go around like, oh, there's Thai food, there's Asian fusion, and you got all of these varieties of food, and then you walk up to one of those, and you go, I could have a hamburger, I could have a single burger, I could have a single burger with cheese, I could have a double burger, I could have a double burger with double cheese, I could have onions, and, and you, you see what I'm talking about? Each one has a variety of varieties. Go to the Chinese restaurant, all kinds, you got to have mugu pai gai pan, I could have mushu chicken, I could have General Sal's chicken. Who is General Sal? Who is that guy, and why does he make such good chicken? I don't know. You've got varieties of varieties, and that's what we're talking about with the gifts, with the roles, and with the services. Services. You might be called by God to teach Sunday school. You might be called by God to be hospitable to people. Like, I hear this all the time. I'm, you know, hospitality is really my gift. I'm like, great, then go greet people. I hate greeting people. Why are you, that's not hospitality. We get these different roles in different places and we bump along and we try and we fail and we look and we seek and we ask God, oh, what is your, this role that you have for me? Because it's a spiritual role. 
And it may not seem spiritual. Cleaning the bathroom does not seem spiritual. But I'll tell you, as a person who goes into a clean bathroom, it's a very spiritual experience. It enables me to be here at church with you undistracted. Rochelle, you have a very spiritual role in this church, and you do a very good job at it, and you are gifted by the Holy Spirit. It's a bizarre thing to say, to clean. (laughs) And that's awesome. So we have gifts, abilities, and we have services, things that we do, and activities, one-offs, called specifically in a moment to share the gospel, called to love somebody that nobody else is loving. Hey, can I sit at your table? Hey, can I sit by you at church to show the love of Jesus? Activities. All of these things, there's a variety of varieties. There are so many ways they pull out, and they're all just spirituals. Not just a gift, not just something that makes you special, not something that God says, I love you more than the next person. God's just doing his work, and he's like, oh, look who's available. It's Ron. Ron, here's, an, here's, a, here's a role for you. Ron, here's a, here's a gift for you. Ron, because you got to do this thing. That's what it is. God empowering you and giving you the grace and the power to do everything that he calls you to do with spirituals. There are lots of gifts, lots of roles. But here's the kicker. They're not naturally yours. These are things that the Holy Spirit has placed in you and on you for the good of the church because that's the point. It's not that you would feel more loved. It's not that you would be able to speak in tongues. It's not that you would be able to heal somebody. But it's so that the church together would be grown so that the church would be encouraged because we need encouragement, right? Are you guys with me on this thing? We need encouragement every day. We go out there and we get our teeth kicked by the world and we come back to church and we need a little encouragement because it's rough. The Holy Spirit empowers us to walk through that with grace and with power and it's still hard. God has given us his spirit to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to heal one another, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to give wisdom, all of these things coming out of us in the church. The question is, is it happening? Do you see it? Is it around you? Because here's the kicker. God is pouring this out in the church, and people are operating in this. And for 2,000 years of church history, it's been happening. And people have been, this is like not something new. It's not a new revelation. It's been around the block a very long time. And if you were not experiencing it, it's probably because you're not open to it. God wants to give you spirituals. Lots of them. And it's important. I was thinking about it. So Paul in chapter 12, he has this little blurb about one body, many parts. We all know this thing, right? It's a great analogy. It's like, this is one body, and there's arms and hands and legs and this and that and the other thing. And some of us kind of come with the attitude of, well, the church doesn't really need me. The church doesn't really need me to be open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, I don't need to speak in tongues. I don't need to pray to heal somebody because I'm good. I got Jesus in my heart. That's enough. But I was kind of contemplating this idea of the church not needing me. And what Paul says is, you know, can the hand say to the foot, I don't need you? Actually, what we're saying to one another is we do need each other, and we do need each other to be filled with spirituals so that the church may grow and flourish and thrive, so that I can be encouraged, so that you can be encouraged, so that you can be healed, so that you can receive knowledge and wisdom and move forward in everything that God has for you. Can you, I mean, let's just think of it logically. What body part could you do without? 
You ever had that question? People like, what body part would you do with that? Would you, oh, I could probably lose my left pinky. and be just fine. Uh, you know, if I had to choose one body part to lose, I'm, actually, I should have thought of this earlier. What body part would I lose? I, probably my toe or something. I don't know. Something you put my shoe on, you don't even notice it. But you know what? Even those simple things, you are going to have to go through rehabilitation to learn how to walk if you take a toe off. You learn how to lose your pinky. You are, you are handicapped. You can't function fully with your hand. You have to learn to use your hands differently. I, uh, when I went through cancer, lost my thyroid. Okay, it died. I had cancer treatment and my thyroid died. And now I take a pill for the rest of my life. And you know what happens if I don't take that pill? I recently found out. Your liver kind of stops working. Yeah. You know what else happens? You suddenly can't regulate your weight. Your skin gets all dry and crispy and flaky. Your hair starts falling out. And God knows I don't need that to happen. <laughs> it regulates so many things. And it just, you know, the doctors are like, well, we're radiating you. That's probably going to die. But we'll just cover that with a pill. You don't need it. It'll be fine. Can the hand say to the foot, I don't need you? No, it cannot. Can the foot say to the rest of the body, you don't need me? No. We cannot function without you. This is important. And so the Holy Spirit gives you spirituals to accomplish everything he has called you to do, the grace and the power to do everything that he has for you. And he even says that the parts of the body that seem weaker, those of us who are like, oh, I wasn't given the gift of tongues. I was given the gift of administration. As a pastor, I'll tell you what, the gift of administration is way cooler than the gift of tongues. <laughs> Any day. Any day. I need like eight of you. But Paul says, look, even the parts of the body that seem like they're weaker, they aren't as cool, they aren't as hip, they aren't wearing skinny jeans, those are indispensable. We can't do without the thyroid. We can't do without the tonsils of the appendix. I don't even know what those things do, but the Holy Spirit does. Spiritual gifts also are not a sign of maturity. I've said this before, but it's a sign that the Holy Spirit is empowering you. And today, we're going to pray for you that you would receive spirituals. But when you receive these spirituals, I want you to know you, it doesn't come done, right? It doesn't come done. Like, if you really want something, you don't just you know, wait for it to come to you full. You, you start pursuing it and seeking it and, and buying the parts to put it together and working on it, and it, you build it up. Babies don't come out learning how to talk. They can't eat. They can't feed themselves, right? But they come out with the ability to cry. The same are true with the spirituals. The Spirit pours something in you, and it isn't mature in that moment. And i got to tell you, that's why so much pain has happened in this church and in other churches like it. Because people who have been given a gift operate out of immaturity. Prophets, people who are immature prophets, they tend to like have this, this worldview, okay, I'm talking about myself, that my view is the only view possible, right? Because I'm a prophet, God spoke it to me, so nobody else can ever be right. I'm always right. That's a good gift to have, always being right. <laughs> we, tend to, we tend to be pushy, prophets. We tend to say things a little brash and sometimes harshly. Evangelists, an immature evangelist gets really upset at the church when they don't seem to care about the lost as much as they do. And then they go from place to place to place looking for the church that cares about as much about the lost as they do. These are all kinds of ways that the spirituals can be used in an immature way. And so what I want to encourage you this morning is to receive the gift that God has for you, but to know you have to grow up. 
And you know what? If you've had a gift for 25 years, there's probably still some growing up to do because we're learners. They don't just come ready-made and ready. And that's why Paul really says just pursue love. Pursue love. How do I love people with the spirituals that God's given me? And then earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And he goes on. This is chapter 14, if you want to look at this. I'm coming to a close. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, right? But he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for the upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. That's good. It's good to be built up, to be encouraged. Speak in tongues. Allow that to happen. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more, I want you to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. And I was like, well, you said there wasn't a hierarchy of gifts. The only hierarchy of gifts that Paul has for us is this. Does the gift that you have, does the spiritual that you have been given build up the church? Or does it just build you up? This is what we're to seek. The gifts that build up the church. I find it interesting that he singles these two spirituals out, speaking in tongues and prophecy, because they are the weirdest two. Amen? They are the weirdest two. They're the most uncomfortable of the whole bunch. Way more uncomfortable than raising your hand in worship. Way more uncomfortable than maybe moving a little bit. Way more uncomfortable than being expressive. And Paul doesn't seem to care how much uncomfort there is behind these spirituals. Um, John Piper, who is a person who believed that the gifts of the Spirit uh, ceased until recently, he said this the other day, as I read this, I realized that Paul gives us no wiggle room when it comes to things that are uncomfortable. He says, seek the uncomfortable ones. Earnestly desire them. He leaves no room for us to say, eh, I don't need that one. Tongues build up the faith of the believer, but prophecy builds up your neighbor. So the big question for us really becomes, how do you seek the gifts? And do you want them? Because they are available to you. We don't want you to be ignorant about them, but we also don't want you to be uh, put off by them or standoffish from them because we want you, as a, as a church and as a Christian, to be empowered and given the grace to do everything that God's called you to do. So I want to take a moment in silence and ask you this question, actually two questions. For those of you who have received spirituals, what spiritual is God currently igniting in you in this moment or in this season of your life that he has given you to accomplish all that he has called you to do? What is that grace that he has put on you? For those of you who go, eh, I don't know if I'm gifted spiritually. I don't know if I have spirituals. I'm not even sure I want spirituals. What spiritual would you like to see God released in you or in somebody around you? What encouragement do you need? Let's take a moment and ask ourselves those two questions, and then we're going to close uh, by singing a song and then going home.
as the worship team comes up, um, Paul says to earnestly seek the gifts. Um, in traditional Pentecostal church, what we do is be like, and the place to do that is here at the altar. We turn down the lights and we turn up the worship band because music makes everything more spiritual. And the reality is, is that the spirituals are very, very normal. We don't have to make a special moment for them. God wants to pour them out on any who seek. Because that is the rule of the Bible. If you want spirituals, the rule of the kingdom is to ask. Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. Ask and it will be opened to you. Knock and it will be opened to you. You can receive it, but you have to eagerly desire it. God wants you to want it. That sounds like a song. I want you to want it. Anyway, it's a different thing. That's what Jesus is after for us, is he wants us to want him and to be filled by him and to seek the spirituals and to seek that the church would be encouraged and grown. We can say, I want things to grow, but what are you willing to, to are you willing to eagerly desire things? Remember that the text does not say that we are one body made of many, single pastor. <laughs> we are one body with many parts, and this body needs you. And we need you to be filled spirit. So I want to challenge you. First of all, go to the scriptures on this, because you're like, one sermon, I don't know, I can't, a sermon's not going to make this happen. It's seeking it. It's earnestly desiring it. So see what it is you're earnestly desiring. I challenge you, read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, 12, 13, and 14, over and over again this week. Immerse yourself in it until it's like so familiar, like, oh, whatever, and ask yourself, what are these things? What happens? And do, how would these things look in my life? And then take a look at Ephesians chapter 4, Another list. And then look at the book of Acts and read that over and over and over again until your life is ruined for normal. Because if you read the book of Acts, it's anything but normal. We've got to stop seeking normal, guys. We've got to start seeking the power of the Holy Spirit. Be ruined for anything normal. And secondly, I want to say pray. Let the discomfort of your normal drive you to your knees. Go to God. Ask Instead of letting it move you to bitterness or manipulation, oh, I didn't get this gift, I'm going to make it up. I've done that. I didn't get this gift, I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to make up a gift and I'm going to be so amazing. We can, we can, like, it's not happening and we can make it happen ourselves, fake it till we make it. Or we can just let it drive us to our knees and to seek Jesus and to seek what he wants for us, not what we want for ourselves. We ask the Father and he generously provides Lastly, I want to encourage you to do this. Meet some need. If we're one body with many parts and we need each other, find a need to meet. And God will release in you the power of the Holy Spirit to do everything that he has called you to do. Amen? Would you stand with us? So we're going to close with the uh, song, Holy Spirit. And it's going to be our prayer that we're saying, you know, the Holy Spirit is welcome here in this church. But as we do this, I want to invite you, okay, uncomfortable step one, to hold your hands out like you want to receive something from somebody, a gift, a package, a spiritual. And we're going to say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Flood this place. Change my atmosphere. Because it's his presence and his glory that comes upon us as we seek earnestly the gifts. And then we're going to sing the doxology and, and we'll all go home and enjoy the sunshine and to continue to seek the gifts. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
you seek earnestly the gifts of the Spirit, to seek His spirituals, to find the role that He has set for you, to find the service that He has called you to, and to find every gift, every talent, every ability that you need to accomplish that is found in the Holy Spirit, and use it to encourage one another, to build up His church, to build His kingdom here, near, and far, wherever you may find yourselves. Go in the grace and goodness of the Lord and know above all that Jesus loves you. Desperately, desperately loves you. And Heidi and I love you too. Love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to be prayed for this morning, I encourage you. Jeff and Angie and, and, and Angela are in the back over there. They'll pray for you for these gifts. If you've got questions, email me, text me, talk to me now. Uh, it's always more answers. In the name of Jesus, amen.